You're listening to the Q's Podcast, episode number two. Thank you. Thank you for joining the Q's Podcast, where we'll talk to industry leaders and cross-industry experts for a wide range of perspectives on trends and topics relevant to you. I'm your host, James Lenz, Q's Professional Development Manager. In today's podcast, we'll explore what our guest refers to as achieving a rhythm within your organization in terms of strategy and strategic planning. Our guest is Les Wallace. Les Wallace is the president of Signature Resources Incorporated. Les Wallace has served as a professor and hospital administrator and author. He's also served on, in the past, and continues to serve on some very prestigious boards. I had a chance to catch up with him in between his sessions as he led the Q's board chair development seminar. During my interview, some key takeaways include differentiating between strategic thinking and strategic planning, defining what Les Wallace refers to as achieving a rhythm in terms of strategy and strategic planning, key questions you should be asking your board, and my favorite, easy and practical ways to add excitement, more learning, and more dialogue to your board meetings. Let's get started with my interview with Les Wallace. Les, thank you for being part of the Q's podcast. Thanks for being here. Thank you, James. All right, Les. I want to talk to you about a, just a couple things today. You stated, or referenced, I should say, the top five governance priorities as cited from literature. And the number one priority is strategic planning and oversight. We know that the board of directors sets mission, values, direction, and strategy. Let's focus a bit on the strategy. So, if you don't mind, I'm going to have you complete this statement. The beauty of healthy strategic discussion is... That we think outside of the box and over the horizon. So what happens is people mistake the difference between strategic planning, which is putting a tactical plan together to move forward, and strategic thinking. Strategic thinking needs to precede strategic planning. Strategic thinking is challenging assumptions about the business, looking at the disruptions going on in our business environment and asking how does that impact us and should we be a fast follower looking at the life cycles of our products and services and even uh, the, uh, the demographics of our membership to start making decisions about how should we be different. Strategy is always about movement from where we are to continuing to be relevant. So if we're not always on the move, eventually the business environment will, uh, will leave us behind. The members' value will change and we won't be there. So more conversations about what's next, what's in the future, what do our members want, what are other people doing? That's what strategic thinking is all about. In essence, we decide from there what four or five or seven things do we need to commit to to move from A to B, and what do we, what tactics do we use, and what budget do we use? So that strategic thinking is the preparation, the mindset to allow you to do strategic tactics. It's a different mindset, and it doesn't focus on tactics. It focuses on thinking big thinking on uh, how do we need to be differently, what evidence do we have. The evidence comes from the business environment. The evidence comes from asking our membership. The evidence comes from where we've struggled with performance and we know we need to do something different. The evidence comes from the fact that out of 17 branches, uh, no one comes to two of them anymore. Those all lead us to say we've got to be different. Strategy is about transformation transforming to continue to stay relevant to a changing business environment and a changing set of member values and needs. 
I like how you express it. That's wonderful. In a recent Q's article, you made reference to achieving a rhythm. Could you please describe for our listeners what you mean? So rhythm is a regular disciplined approach to accomplishing something, in this case, strategy and strategic planning. What I mean by that is over every 12-month cycle, there ought to be something purposeful that you're doing on a regular basis to focus more on the future than to focus on the history of how we've been doing. If a credit union is performing well, they don't need to spend as much time talking about how good their finances are and how good their member value service is. They need to be spending more time, investing more time in, so how's the business environment changing? Mm -hmm. Uh, What are the innovators doing? How do we need to change? What's the competition doing to us? So it means that you build in a 12-month cycle of board meetings and board retreats, conversations, 70% of which are all about the future. Now, that can mean tracking how well we're doing. It can mean exploring new changes in the business environment like uh, digital services. It could mean looking at how do we want to uh, get prepared for cybersecurity issues. Those are all strategic issues. So the point is that over a 12-month period, everyone does the annual strategic planning retreat. Well, for for a lot of people, that's probably a lot of zombies just going through a similar process. What are you doing the other 11 months? What are you doing every six months to revisit strategy? So high-performing boards try to build 70% of every board meeting into conversations about the future. By the way, that can be what should our board look like? How do we develop governance? What are our members thinking? That's all strategic because it's pointing us to the future. And only 30% on fiduciary responsibility. So more and more boards are trying to purposefully build a specific discipline. Here's when our retreat is. Here's here's what our mid-year retreat. And yes, a mid-year retreat is becoming more standard. That is, in six months, you take four hours, you, uh, you retreat, you look at the future again, you look at your current strategic plan, disciplined, repeatable approach to strategy. That's a rhythm. I like that. Achieving a rhythm. Now, in your experiences of working with credit unions, what have the results looked like? We're talking about the rhythms. How has your approach with credit unions looked like when you discuss this with them? Well, as you know, I do work beyond credit unions. And so any board I've worked with tend to like it. And here's why. The most exciting part of being on a board is thinking about the future and making decisions about how to be better. So it's naturally engaging. Yeah. The conversation about what do you think? What is the data telling us? What are, what's our competition forcing us to do? People get energized about that. They don't get energized about looking at a pro forma and about confirming that uh, we're on budget and about, uh, oh, isn't this nice? We're still, you know, our membership is growing. So what I have found is boards, once they get used to what does that look like meeting to meeting and how does it change our annual cycle, they like it. What I find is CEOs and executive teams like it too because there's more conversation about movement and about exciting types of things and we're not so much looking in the rearview mirror. So any board in any domain, I work with hospitals, uh, I work in financial services, I work with uh, international associations, I work with for-profit boards, they all seem to like it once we kind of get it defined and get it on the calendar what it looks like. So everybody enjoys the annual Mm -hmm. retreat where we're talking strategy, maybe we have some speaker come in and talk about what's different and what's digital look like these days, what's innovation look like. This really gives the board a commitment over 12 months to really get their arms around it, to get their hands on the steering wheel, and it's exciting. 
Now, that doesn't mean every conversation leads to a decision that time about, well, let's have this strategy. But it means it's building. It's looking at scenarios. It's looking at what ifs. It's looking at data and building to saying, okay, next year, the next three years, these are three things we definitely need to do differently. What does that look like when we put it into a plan? It's exciting. Now, of course, strategic discussions between the board of directors, the CEO, and the executive team involve effective communications. And I know you're a big proponent of having the executive team leave the PowerPoint out of the board meeting. What is the risk involved in conducting a 15, 20-minute presentation to the board? Well, the risk is most of them are boring. And when you ask any board members, they always complain, we have too many people talking to us. We don't have enough time to talk to them or talk to ourselves. So let's just take a 20-minute report on our new branding strategy. If you submitted that to me ahead of time, I can read it. And if you do a thorough report, and most executive teams know how to do it, I can read it, digest it. And so when the branding officer pulls up a chair, we immediately engage in dialogue. What are the implications? Do we have the data right? How do we know? Have we sanity checked this? We get to the exciting part of a meeting. Sitting in a chair listening to a report uh, is not exciting. Now, the risk is if they don't do a good enough job setting us up in the the written report they give us, we may lose some context. But smart boards ask those questions. They say things like, well, James, I didn't see in here X, Y, and Z. And that allows you to answer it. So in general, by flipping the presentation, reading and preparing before I get to the board meeting, and then engaging you in dialogue, it's more energizing. We learn. It gives you as a part of the executive team a chance to really shine because you're a subject matter expert. And it allows us to repurpose listening time to dialogue time. The most precious part of getting together face-to-face is interaction. And interaction is not sitting in a chair, listening to a historical report from the CEO about what they did last uh, the last month, or listening to the branding director goes over things that I can read and digest myself. I've been in the classroom for 18 years. I'm very knowledgeable about the flipped classroom, bringing uh, reading materials, maybe tutorials home, and then coming back to the classroom and you take time to have that dialogue to grow through any problems and and resolutions. So this is kind of that same thing is using your time efficiently in the best possible way. And that is to promote dialogue, discussion, interaction, engagement. It is. And it's transforming classrooms. So I think your background is a science teacher. And and here's my example. My example is uh, dissecting the frog. So when in biology class, it's time for the class to dissect the frog, what do they want to do? Do they want to listen to you as the professor? Give five or six presentations on the anatomy of the frog and all the things we're going to find and how exciting it's going to be? They want to get their hands on the frog. That's right. So what we do is we say, here's some reading. Here's some stuff to study. In our first meeting, let me talk to you about 10 minutes about what we're going to find. And we're going to get our hands on the frog within 15 minutes. We're going to make our first incision. We're going to make our first discovery. It's action-based learning. Similarly, in board meetings, my doing my background ahead of time allows me to sit down with you as the subject matter expert, pick the topic as an executive team, and engage in action-based dialogue, discussion, decision-making, and learning. So people want to get to action. They don't want to be waiting for the professor to give seven presentations on the anatomy of the frog. I like it. <laughs> good, good analogy. Well, people there. can see themselves in that story, usually, oh, James, because we've all been there oh, saying, yeah. Well, you shut up so I can get going here. <laughs> exactly. I want to do this. I want to do this experiment. Absolutely. I want to pull those intestines out. Right. <laughs> all right. 
So this reminds me of discussion that took place today and your thoughts on getting to the point. In fact, you mentioned there should be a maximum of one and a half to three minutes to get your point out there. Otherwise, you're creating an efficiency. So can you expand on that a little bit more? Well, uh, most of us can talk until the cows come home. And what happens in a loose board meeting is people can just ramble on and go blah, blah, blah. So what we're trying to do, what you want boards to do, is kind of get some rules of engagement that says, let's cut to the chase. If you have a comment, be as succinct as possible. And the point I made about a minute and a half or three minutes is you can say an awful lot in three minutes. It's not about truncating valuable dialogue. It's about getting to the point so the next person and the next person can pile on, expand upon, get more in. What I find is that if I can't figure out what you're trying to contribute in a minute and a half, I'm likely to interrupt you, James, and say, hey, wait a minute, I got a question. You're, are you talking specifically about our branding strategy here? Because you're losing me a little bit. So uh, if you've ever been in a meeting where someone's just going on and you don't know where they are, you need to help them land that plane. What I tell people to try to be provocative is that if I'm on your board and I don't know where you're going in a minute and a half, I'll probably interrupt you and try to help you. And I tell, I told the class today, three minutes is a long time to talk. So what can happen is a board can get a discipline of just talking on and on and on. There are some people who are undisciplined and do that. That's wasting my time. So we're not trying to shut people up. We're trying to get a little more disciplined in getting to the point so more people can get in the conversation and we can explore broader territory. So I try to be provocative, and that's why I use those terms. You know, you have to be careful with that. But if boards say, hey, our rules of engagement, for instance, one rule of engagement I have published in my book is no speech making. And you've been around the the committee meeting or the department meeting or the board meeting where someone just pontificates on and on. Well, you know, it puts the chair in a, a difficult position. When do you interrupt them and say, we need to move on? When do you interrupt them and say, I don't have a clue what you're saying? So what I'm trying to do is uh, is really be provocative to tell people, let's work on consensus and, cons- and conciseness. And most people can move to that and learn their way into that. And it makes for a, a more efficient board meeting. Speaking of being efficient, I'm going to be efficient uh, with our time here. Thank you very much for taking time out of your day. Besides being a strong subject matter expert with your content, I am so impressed with your presentation style, your delivery. You create engagement every minute that you're doing the seminar. I appreciate that, and I think our listeners will appreciate this interview. Thank you, Les, for your time. Thank you, James. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Q's. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple iTunes to receive the newest episodes as soon as they are available. For more talent development content from Q's, visit cues.org now. If you are a Q's member, you have access to invaluable membership benefits to further enhance your development. Visit Q's.org slash membership to learn more. Q's is an international credit union association. Our mission is to educate and develop credit union CEOs, directors, and future leaders. To learn how Q's can help you realize your potential, visit Q's.org today.